Before we get started with this week's show, a word from our sponsor, Keeneland Select. Keeneland's spring meeting is underway, and you can watch all the action from any location and bet directly from your phone with Keeneland Select. Keeneland Select is offering a fantastic promotion for new signups this month. Sign up for a new Keeneland Select account and receive a special $100 back after you wager $200 on Keeneland Racing this April. This is on top of Keeneland Select's lucrative sign-up bonus that will earn you $100 after you wager $300 within the first 30 days. Go ahead, sign up, spread the word, KeenelandSelect.com. Use the promo code ITM21. That's KeenelandSelect.com, promo code ITM21. Now, on to episode 60. What's going on? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, April the 5th, 2021. This is episode 60 of the program. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so many ways to find the show. Whether you listen audio only with your Apple podcast uh, streaming situation, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, you name it. Wherever you download your podcast, you can find this show. If you're someone who likes to watch along, Head on over to YouTube and that search bar, Matt Burney, your show, you get this episode along with the 59 prior. Anywhere you listen, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down. It means a great deal to us, helps us continue to push out content, and the money media is on an absolute roll right now. So again, the more interaction, the more response and feedback we get from all of you, the listeners, the viewers, the better off we all are. Uh, This week's show, going over the three major derby preps that we saw this past Saturday all across the country. Aqueduct with the Wood Memorial, Keeneland with the Bluegrass, Santa Anita with the Santa Anita Derby. We'll take them right in order from the East Coast to the West Coast, and we'll button things up. This is what I think. Oh, hello. I got something chirping at me. This is, for my money, the most important weekend that we have had thus far for a number of reasons, but specifically because we saw, I think, favorites get solidified. We also saw the entire standings kind of get turned on its head. And many of these horses who were fringe, bubble-ish kind of contenders, unfortunately for them and their connections, they're really not even going to have a choice now because they've been bumped out given the chaos that ensued in New York. So I think it was a fascinating weekend of racing. We'll dive into all three of those. If you want to read written sort of recaps on these three races, you can find my analysis over on NBCSports.com edge. Um, if you're into hockey, you can also find my stuff over there as well. My picks throughout the week, Monday through Friday on the NHL. But as far as this goes, that's all we're really caring about. A couple other things, though, to just get on your radar coming up this Thursday. Back at it with Horse Players Happy Hour. It will be the first event of the tour. So for those of you who missed last week's announcement, last week's Horse Player Happy Hour, getting back into the swing of things, you can find those streamed pieces over on the YouTube channel for In The Money Media. Uh, you can find them. It's typically streamed on Twitter from the Breeders' Cups channel, along within the Money Medias. Uh, Really looking forward to it, but we have a tour set up for this year. Really looking forward to it. It's a nice new wrinkle to things. And for the regular season, point winner or point leader, there is a BCBC seat. And then for those of you who qualify for the playoffs and you get down to the final table and you win, you win the playoffs, you get a $10,000 Breeders' Cup betting challenge seat as well. So uh, big, big stakes. And that's on top of the fact that these happy hours, these are still feeders into the weekend events. 
So there's no reason not to get involved. And I said it last week when we did the show, I, I think it's a nice opportunity for folks who maybe still are a little bit, um, a little gun shy, maybe a little bit unsure of what goes into the tournament thing. This is a good opportunity to get involved because of the low buy-in. And if you want to come and just hang out on a Thursday or Friday afternoon, you can come and listen to us. We're going to riff through the races and talk about a number of different things. And I just think it's a nice, it's maybe not so intimidating to get involved. And for the folks who are the diehards, it's a beautiful opportunity to have a relatively low buy-in in the grand picture and still have an opportunity to cash in in a big, big way. So I think everyone should get involved. Horseplayer Happy Hour, you can find those feeders over on horseplayers.com. We'll be back on Thursday afternoon. Uh, time and things like that, TBD, just stay tuned to the In The Money Twitter account, and we'll all be pumping it out anyway. So looking forward to getting back involved with that. And I uh, got some other big things lined up. Um, I can't, again, I feel like I do this very often, but there are some other things that, that could be coming down the road that um, I will let you know when they're solidified. But for now, focus on the Horseplayer Happy Hour and focus on this episode of the pod. Let's get going because there's a lot to talk about and I'd like to keep it to about an hour. So we'll start in New York, then we'll go to Kentucky and we'll wrap up in California. We'll begin with the Grade 2 Wood Memorial. And who knew that you were going to see history on Saturday and maybe not in the fashion that any of us had envisioned. Let's get into it. The Wood Memorial. Grade two Wood Memorial from Aqueduct on Saturday. You had a field uh, that it top to bottom, it didn't seem like there was a stud in there. Felt like someone needed to grab, grab control. And I thought it was going to be risk-taking. Or I thought it was the most likely winner anyway. I did think Brooklyn Strong was interesting. I mentioned last week during Horse Players Happy Hour that if you're looking for a bomb that maybe he wasn't good enough to win, but he could run second or third or fourth, you know, maybe a horse like Dynamic One can continue on. But by no means did it seem like going into the race, was there a superstar? Coming out of it, I, I feel like it's pretty clear there isn't a superstar in here, but we'll talk through it. This race, you can find the entire replay over on Naira's YouTube channel. They upload all their stakes races, uh, do a great job with it. We're going to let the tape run. And, you know, it's one of those interesting races where I don't look at this and say there's obvious things that need to be acknowledged. It just feels like the race played out in a very interesting way. And, and if you like upsets, this is <laughs> this is the race for you. I think a couple horses to keep an eye on are prevalence in the Godolphin Blue. Forwardly placed, first time going two turns, first time away from Gulfstream Park. Going out to a mile and an eighth, number of obstacles. You see Wayburn, who's forwardly placed in sort of the green and the yellow. A little bit keen early on, but all things considered, a nice position to be in. Candyman Rocket is up there pressing things. The opening quarter, 24 and 4. The opening half mile is going to go in 50 seconds flat. This was an extremely slow racing surface at Aqueduct on Saturday. Down on the inside in the, in the sort of light blue silks, you have Brooklyn Strong, who's moving up, making his first start since the Remsen as a two-year-old in early December. Then you've got risk-taking moving up inside of Dynamic 1. In behind them, you have Crowded Trade. And then farther back, well behind the field, you have Bourbonic. Three-quarters of a mile going to go up in 14 and 4. And even with the track being as deep and tiring as it is, I'm expecting to see some of these horses put in some sort of an eye-catching bid. Now, we'll pause it briefly. And maybe for a moment it looked like it was going to be 
dynamic one. He's beginning to pick horses off one by one. You have risk taking back here, just sort of spinning his wheels, not not really doing a heck of a lot of running. Crowded Trade, though, is trying to get involved. He's going to start weaving through traffic. Now, from where I was watching the race, it was difficult for me to actually see the, the horses making the run. I'm trying to watch it on the infield monitor at Aqueduct, and I, I can't help but notice this horse lagging at the back of the pack, and I'm thinking to myself, well, the pace isn't very fast. Is he ever going to have any chance to get involved? And he starts, the engine starts cooking right about now. You see on the front, Wayburn looks like he's ready to, to run a big run, and, and he does, I think, in the grand scheme of things compared to everyone else in this race. But it it just is one of those races at the top of the lane. It looks like there any one of, of nine can win. Wayburn is there. Here comes Dynamic One. He's running a big race. Here comes Crowded Trade. Risk-taking is doing nothing at all. Meanwhile, on the far outside from the back of the pack, here comes Bourbonic. It's 72-1 to beneath Kendrick Carmouche. And he's going to mow everyone down in deep stretch. He gets up in the shadow of the wire to win this race and complete the Todd Pletcher exacta. How's this for a Todd Pletcher exacta? We've come to know Todd as a, a, a wizard with the two-year-olds and a, a great three-year-old trainer. Just a great trainer in general. But specifically, he has had a great deal of success with the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds. Todd Pletcher runs 1-2 in the Wood Memorial a graded stakes race for three-year-olds in New York leading into the Kentucky Derby. And it's a 72 to one shot over a 15 to one shot. And you get a $2 exacta that comes back, what, about 900 bucks? A little more than that? I mean, just an unreal, unreal scenario played out there. Let's talk a little bit about the winner. There, I feel like there are actually more things to talk about in this race than in the other two races, as far as just the, the sheer numbers are concerned. Bourbonic and Diamond uh, Dynamic One both earn 89 buyers. Now, here's you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it on the positive side of things and say, well, they both continue to improve. They are both long-winded types. They're going to run all day. This is all true, in my opinion. You can look at it negatively and say they're they're not in the same whatever category you want to call to be considered a derby contender. I mean, they're not remotely fast enough right now. So, and perhaps somewhere in the middle is the fact that they continue to improve. If they take another step forward in a few weeks' time, maybe that gets them into the mid to high 90s. Combine that with the distance sort of uh, pieces that they may actually like and may work to their advantage as opposed to some of their contemporaries. Maybe that's enough to get them over the hump. I don't know. In my heart of hearts, I'm going to be stunned if either of these horses play a part as far as the win end is concerned the first Saturday in May. I think they're awesome, awesome potential options for third and fourth in tries or supers at giant prices because they are those sort of types that are just going to plug along. They're going to pick up some pieces and get the job done. Now, Bourbonic, I, I thought the run at Parks was really good because he was the only horse in the race that was making up any kind of ground. But for me, I mean, I'd be lying if I sat here and said it was enough for me to even consider him in the wood, let alone the Kentucky Derby in a few weeks' time. Dynamic one, I did, I, I could see a scenario where he improved. There's a reason I brought him up in the Horse Player Happy Hour show last week. The idea that he looked really good breaking his maiden at this distance in that most recent run. A little bit of a grinder, but he he's going to run all day. When you consider how wide he was throughout, I actually think Dynamic 1 probably ran a better race than Bourbonic did. 
And, you know, maybe that is a precursor of things to come. I do like the path that he is sort of cutting out right now, but he is just so much slower than some of the, the main players right now for the Kentucky Derby picture. So I have a very difficult time drawing up a scenario where one or both of these horses, they both need to improve dramatically, have not just one or two of the main players regress, but but three, four, five of them regress, and both of these horses who are not blessed with beautiful natural speed early on, they're going to need a pace meltdown and be able to navigate traffic. You can see why all of a sudden I'm, I'm drawing up a scenario where you've got a couple of horses that are 30 and 40 to 1. The the reason they would take more money is because of Pletcher. And that's, a, I mean, look, it's a good thing. Todd Pletcher, there's a reason he is a Hall of Fame nominee. I would be flummoxed if he didn't get in this year. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I just, I see these two and I go there, to me, they're underneath types only. That doesn't mean I don't think they could be something down the road. But right now, I just, I can't imagine them being anything more than underneath in your gimmicks. Crowded trade. I didn't think it was a bad effort. And I've said it, I didn't love him coming into the race. Coming out of it, I still don't love him. I think he will be better off going shorter distances. I know that was a concern for for Chad Brown leading into the race, is that, you know, he does need to prove that he can handle added ground. He ran fine, but just fine. 87 buyer, you know, I, I think a turn back is probably needed, and I think that's when he'll be doing his best running. Wayburn, sneaky, think ran really well here. This is a horse that I didn't love coming out of that Gotham, despite the big gaudy number that he earned. And yes, he regressed from the 95 to an 85. So dropping back 10 points is not ideal. But when you look at the way the race played out, and you've got the horse who was in last, horse who was in seventh a half mile into the run, eighth half mile into the run, uh, fifth even for Brooklyn Strong, and then you have Wayburn, who was only a half length off the lead, a half mile into the run. I, I thought it was a pretty solid effort all things considered. And I now, more and more, I am intri- intrigued by the idea and the fact that the connections all along were very clear. The Kentucky Derby is really not a goal. It, it, it's just not something they were thinking about. Their main objective, even coming out of the Gotham, a one-turn mile, they said all along, the Belmont Stakes is our target. And when I see this horse, who based on his pedigree, is going to run all day, his running style, I've talked about it in the past, conducive to success in a race like the Belmont Stakes at a mile and a half. Speed is always where you want to be, and it's going to be a more tepid pace. It's very unlikely you're going to get some sort of a 46 and change half mile in the Belmont. You're going to get something closer to 48 and change or 49. He's that kind of horse that he's not brilliant by any stretch, but he was much better with his lead changes here in the Wood Memorial. Give him a little bit more time. Maybe they do prep him in the Peter Pan or something along those lines. But I I can see a scenario. I can see it now. I didn't necessarily see it coming out of the Gotham. I can see it now where you come into the Belmont Stakes fresh. Maybe you catch some of these other three-year-olds who have already run twice or at the very least have run in the Derby or whatever it may be. They've got hard races logged under their belts. Maybe they're getting, you know, Maybe they're feeling the effects of it a little bit. And then you get a horse like Weyburn, who the goal all along for everyone involved with this horse has been the Belmont. He has the running style. He has the pedigree. And, I mean, if you want to circle back to the Gotham, if you believe the 95 buyer, 
he's in with a chance. If you can get something close to that, I, I think a mid-90 is what you'd be looking at for a Belmont Stakes winner. I can see it. I can draw up the scenario in my head where it plays out that way. Wayburn maybe one to just put a pin in. Put a pin in for a race like the Belmont Stakes. I'm, I'm starting to see what, what the connections Jimmy Jerkins and company have been kind of what they've been laying down for a while now. Brooklyn Strong, you know, I didn't think the the layoff was going to be the biggest deal because he had run as fast as he did as a two-year-old. And yes, you know, four months is, is nothing to sneeze at. But I didn't think it was going to be the thing, but the potential separator, whether he would win or not. And I go back and I watch the tape a little bit more. He had a good trip, all things considered, down on the inside, safe ground, a little bit tight at the top of the lane where he couldn't maybe squeeze through when, when Manny wanted to go. But even after that, once that hole did open up on the rail, I, I thought he ran like a horse that, that needed some fitness. And I, I don't second guess the plan. Uh, I just, I think, it, I think he ran like a horse that looked like he needed a race. Now, you know, does that mean that he's going to jump up in a big way to whatever the next race is? I, I, you know, it remains to be seen, but I would expect a forward move from Brooklyn Strong. I'm not ready to give up on this horse for one dull effort. You're an 82 buyer in this spot. Prevalence, you know, I, I, I wrote about it in the NBC Sports uh, Edge piece, as far as the recap goes, that no, people won't be writing about the strength of the 2021 Wood Memorial in years to come. They'll be writing about the 72 to one longest shot in the history of this race winning. But to be fair to prevalence, he had a lot of things being thrown at him. First time two turns, first time out of South Florida, out to a mile and an eighth for the first time, only his third lifetime start. I mean, he had a number of things thrown at him. He was relatively close to the pace. And again, outside of Weyburn, you know, the, the pace kind of came apart. I, I'm not ready to write him off. You know, is he a superstar that some people were making him out to be? Uh, you know, I don't know about that. But don't use don't use this race as the indictment on this horse. You know, if you liked him before, I don't think there's a reason to all of a sudden dislike him. And if you weren't in love with him prior to this race, I don't think you should be using the Wood Memorial as the example as to why you believe you were correct. I think you got to wait and see, give this horse a little bit more time. You know, it, it felt like, I don't want to call it a rush job, but kind of, kind of felt like a rush job to get him in here and take a shot. And I'm not ready to write him off yet. I think there's still a great deal of talent there. And risk-taking, I made it clear. I, I was disappointed in this effort. I, I thought he was um, the kind of horse that would appreciate being home. And I don't, I, I don't question Chad's plan at all. I thought it was, I would have done the exact same thing. Not that it means a hell of a lot what I would think compared to what Chad did or thought because, you know, obviously Chad <laughs> Chad is Chad and multiple Eclipse Award winner. I just thought I liked the idea of keeping him at the mile and an eighth. No sense in turning him back to a one-turn mile in the Gotham. Give him a little bit of a breather. You get this race beneath your belt and then you're ready to go for a race like the Derby. Um, I guess my problem is he just looked so bad. And, you know... Maybe it was a combination of the, you know, coming off the bench. Maybe he needed one. You know, I don't really want to use that as an excuse. I, I think that's grasping at straws. Um, or maybe he just didn't handle the test. Better horses for the first time. And I say that, you know, not tongue in cheek, but compared, comparatively speaking, yeah, better horses than he had been facing. But on, on the bigger picture, bigger scale, 
I mean, these are, this is probably the weakest of the three-year-old prep races, the final ones anyway. So it's, it's hard for me to really be super thrilled with risk taking coming out of this. And I was a believer in the horse. Um, who knows? Maybe in some time we'll, you know, we'll see him get back on track and, and you know, maybe he ends up being a, a Belmont or a Saratoga type, but uh, certainly a disappointing effort from risk taking here. Uh, fantastic training job from Todd Pletcher to get the top two finishers. Again, Pletcher at 15 to one and 72 to one in a three-year-old Kentucky Derby prep in New York. He wins the Wood Memorial with Bourbonic, an all-time record, $146.50 for $2 wagered. The longest shot in the history of the Wood Memorial. Bourbonic gets it done. Kendrick Carmouche is going to the Derby. Bourbonic, 89 buyer speed figure, winning the Wood Memorial. Now, a we go from a race that was chaos from a gambling standpoint to a race that I love watching. The tape of it is fabulous. And you, you can't help but think of some of the great stretch runs that we've seen in recent memory. The bluegrass at Keeneland, you had a champion taking on a very talented runner for Chad Brown. And I think it lived up to the hype. Let's go to that race. I again forgot to acknowledge the prep rating that I've been giving to these prep races throughout the uh, season leading into the Kentucky Derby before the Wood Memorial. I gave it a three for the reasons that I stated. I just don't know that it's going to have a dramatic impact on the actual winner. or It'll have perhaps a little impact as far as our wagering is concerned if one of those horses can get a piece underneath. But I don't think it's going to have a giant say as far as the proper outcome is concerned. So I gave it a three. This race, the Bluegrass from Keeneland, I may have been a little bit overzealous when I wrote about this in a recap. I said, I know it was not affirmed in Aladar, and I know it wasn't Sunday Silence and Easy Goer, but damn, if they didn't do their best to sort of imitate those horses on Saturday, essential quality and highly motivated, we'll let the tape run. To me, there, there's not a ton to talk through. It's more about just sit back, watch, and enjoy. There will be some to talk about later on in the run, but it's just, I love sports, and I love seeing greatness, and I like seeing just good games, good battles, and this this was effectively a match race. You have those top two, and take the other seven of them out of it. It was effectively a match race. Highly motivated, goes to the front. Fractions. I think when you when you really think about it, at a mile and an eighth, they were, I'll call them reasonable. They weren't fast by any means, and they weren't walking out there. They were just reasonable. 23-4 and four for the opening quarter, 48-1 for the half, 112 flat for three quarters. Highly motivated on the lead, essential quality, perched just off his flank out in the clear. And I think this is just, I think this is what everybody was waiting for. I didn't believe Highly Motivated could get the distance. I thought Untreated was an interesting one. He just kind of, you know, sort of lagged behind the field, didn't really do any running. The show is beginning right now when they start to put lengths on the rest of the field. And for a moment, for a moment, I didn't know if Essential Quality was going to get by. But we're going to see a few things. And it's... Some of you will disagree vehemently. Some of you will understand my point here. We'll just watch the stretch run the first time through because this is a, a fantastic horse race. 
no matter how you cut it. This is this is a horse race. These two are throwing it down. These are two of the more talented horses of their generation. They're locking horns, and it's just a good old-fashioned stretch duel. And the champion prevails. He shows the heart, the grittiness, the determination that you would expect to see from a champion. Essential quality wins the bluegrass by a neck over highly motivated. We'll run it back to the top of the lane. And we'll start with essential quality. I'm not... First, let's let's backtrack. 97 buyer for both of these horses. Okay. So both, this is a fast race for, for each of these runners. Watch essential quality. I've said it before. I think our job, or if you're doing your due diligence, you're supposed to look for little cracks in the armor of horses who are going to be favorites. I did it with Life is Good. When he went off and, and, you know, streaked like a comet, he said, well, I don't know why he's out in the eight path. Again, does not mean that there was a direct correlation between that and him getting injured in a workout. But as I've said before, more often than not, little weird things, they tend to play out if you pay attention to this game long enough. Doesn't always happen, but, but more often than not. So when I first saw this race live, I said, that's just fantastic horse race what else could you possibly ask for from these two horses but then now now it's time to go to sort of the uh the analyst put the analyst hat on and and start looking at these horses and try to either dissect why they could move forward why they could regress whatever the case may be so we're going to watch essential quality this first time that we run it back now, at the top of the lane, everything is going smoothly. Luis Saez starts to pump on him a little bit. Watch him momentarily, and I'm actually going to slow it down if I can without screwing this thing up too, too badly. Yeah, lovely. We're going to go to three-quarter speed. Watch essential quality start to... His head almost is pointed at the grandstand slightly. And it's something that I've never seen from him before. Those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see it here momentarily. His head is going to be cocked out to the right, right there. Right there. I've never seen that from this horse before, at least to my knowledge offhand. I can go back and watch some of the other pieces of tape, but I've never really seen that. And I'm going to just pull it back one more time. Right about the eighth pole. Everything's good. Everything's good. And watch his head. Just ever so slightly. He's looking out toward the grandstand. I don't recall him doing that. Maybe it is a quirk of his. I have no idea. Now, from there, he starts kind of angling out a couple paths. It's very, very minor. It could also have had to do with highly motivated coming out slightly. But him looking out at the grandstand, I don't recall that happening in the past. I'm not sitting here telling you that that is the key for me when I say, oh, I, I either love him or I hate him. It's just, it's something to take note of. And that's all you should be doing is just taking notes and saying, oh, well, you know, this was different. As far as highly motivated is concerned, Coming into the race, I was extremely dubious of his ability to get nine furlongs. Although I said, if he's going to do it, maybe it is Saturday when the pace is going to be on the more moderate side. I'll speed this one back up because we don't have to worry too much about it. It's pretty clear what I'm going to start touching on here with this horse. He's down on the inside. I, I mean, you want to talk about grit, guts, determination. He digs in gamely. But the elephant in the room for me is at the 16th pole. He opts to that left lead. 
and this is after him floating out a little bit at about the the eighth pole. I just, you know, there's a part of me that does wonder, is he feeling the effects of the distance right there? Now, the rebuttal to that is the two of them gallop out right hand in hand. And maybe that's an indication that the distance isn't going to be a problem for him. The way that I'm sort of looking at this, though, and I can't help but do this, is say, okay, you set the fractions at a mile and an eighth, 23 and 4, 48 and 1. Yes, you had the champ breathing down your neck the whole way, and you fought him valiantly. But there are going to be other speed horses in the Kentucky Derby, so that 48 and 1 half mile is probably going to be closer to 47. You're probably not going to make the front doing that. You're probably going to have to sit off of a horse like Rock Your World, who we'll talk about in a little bit from the Santa Anita Derby, or Concert Tour, who maybe we see do what many think he'll do in the Arkansas Derby coming up this weekend. Or it's someone else. I have no idea. So now you've got to go faster, and you're probably not on the lead. Oh, and you have to navigate an extra eighth of a mile in Louisville, out to a mile and a quarter. I don't doubt the horse's talent. I'm just very dubious of his ability to get a mile and a quarter. Now, I've been wrong with the lead change thing before. There have been horses that early on, they did all the same stuff, and it never really affected them. But that's a really short list. I'm talking about like gunrunner short. When horses get goofy, Nyquist did it as well, but I think there is a scenario when I can go back and look at it and be like, well, you know what, he only, he never won another race after the Derby. He didn't run all that well at Pimlico. I know it was a sloppy mess. But that was it. So, you know, I don't know. Do with that what you will. Or maybe he did run one more time. I don't remember. But point is, you know, he, he won the derby, but that was it. He was always a goofy one with the lead changes at the end. Gunrunner's the only one that just really sticks out in my head that it didn't make a difference. He was just that good. That... I, that's not fair to highly motivated to put that on him and say, well, you know, if he can kind of get through that, maybe he's gunrunner. That, that's a crazy statement. Not because this horse isn't talented, but I mean, we're talking about one of the best horses of the past 10 years in gunrunner. Highly motivated might be able to overcome all of those things I just laid out. All I'm trying to do is play devil's advocate and also give you my sort of estimation of what we're looking at. I would be very, very cautious about taking a short price on this horse or a shortish price, let's say 10, 12 to 1, in a 20-horse race when he's going to have to go out to 10 furlongs, he's not going to get the lead, or very unlikely to, and they're likely to go much faster than what he did on Saturday. And even then, I think the distance is what got to him. So do with that what you will. Let me know if you agree or disagree beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. I thought essential quality showed the grit, the determination that a champion shows. It's why he's a perfect five for five. It's why I I think he deserves to be the favorite in the Kentucky Derby, despite not necessarily being the fastest horse into the race. Now, and that'll bring me to the final piece that I'll touch on with these two horses. If you want to try to find a hole in essential quality, and you don't, you know, you don't care about that little, you know, looking out at the grandstand thing that I pointed out. He has not gotten considerably faster from his two-year-old campaign to his three-year-old campaign. In the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, he earned a 95 buyer. 
in his first run of the year at our in uh, in Arkansas at Oaklawn Park here in a 96 buyer. In this race on Saturday here in a 97 buyer. So he's not getting any worse. And he still ranks among the elite as far as his generation is concerned. But if you're talking about the first or second choice in the Kentucky Derby, who may not, he has not taken a giant step forward. I personally would have hoped we would have gotten into the low 100s by now. 101, 102, somewhere around there. I know that's asking a lot for a three-year-old this time of year. We don't see that a ton. But for a horse that I, I believe is exceptionally talented, I would have liked to have seen us get to that point. Haven't seen it yet. Maybe we will the first Saturday in May. If you're looking for something to knock, maybe that's it. As far as the rest of the field goes, Ron Bauer, new career best 88 buyer. Thought it was a fine effort. He's a horse that likes to come from off the pace. He didn't have enough pace to run at. I can see the, I can, I can understand the, the logic, the scenario behind it. I just don't personally know that it's enough for me to get super excited. I, I'll certainly consider him underneath, but I don't know that he can turn the tables on the top two and then the best of the best from the other jurisdictions. I just, I just personally don't see it happening. And he's on the outside looking in right now as far as the Derby point standing is concerned. Uh, and the only other one I'll touch on is Hidden Stash. I still would love to see uh, an equipment change here. I just think this is the kind of horse that, while, you know, he didn't have a great chance in this race because of the pace situation, he also is another one. He's just not getting any faster. I'd love to see blinkers on him. I don't know that that's going to turn him into a superstar, but I think you should get a little bit of a forward move out of him just strictly from a focus standpoint. I thought he hung his chance down there at Tampa, uh, and I, I thought this is just the kind of horse that maybe blinkers will move him forward slightly. I'd still love to see that at some point from the connections, but... Um, it won't make a difference for the Derby because he is on the outside looking in right now. I thought the top two put on an absolute show. It was a fantastic horse race. You, there's not much else you could ask for. The two favorites delivered and the champ remains undefeated. Essential quality and highly motivated both earn 97 buyer speed figures. It is on to Louisville seemingly for both of them and perhaps favoritism for essential quality in the Kentucky Derby. Let me know. If you think he is going to win the Derby, if he's your selection at this point, if you think he's going to be the favorite in the Derby, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. As far as the prep rating goes for the Bluegrass, I look at it and say, I think Essential Quality is one of the horses to beat, if not the horse to beat. And I could be wrong about Highly Motivated. And if I am, he has certainly run fast enough to be considered among the elite. I'm going to give this prep a 9 on a scale of 1 to 10. Simply because I think essential quality is going to have a big say in this thing. And that's more or less what I'm basing these preparating pieces off of. So a nine for me in the bluegrass, because I do think there is immense quality in each of the top two. And I think essential quality is arguably the horse to beat in Louisville in a few weeks' time. Now, let's go out to Santa Anita for the Santa Anita Derby, where a fresh face throws their hat into the ring, not just for favoritism, but perhaps could be considered the horse to beat the first Saturday in May. That replay from Keeneland you can find on Keeneland's YouTube channel. This replay, the Grade 1 Santa Anita Derby, can be found on the Santa Anita Park YouTube channel. Again, all these tracks have been doing a phenomenal job just uploading their stakes coverage. That way we can all go back and, you know, if you don't have a, a replay service or an ADW that offers free replays, you at least can go over there and check things out, which is uh, 
good on all the racetracks for doing that sort of thing. This race, the Santa Anita Derby, simply put, it, it felt like it was a matter of, yes, life is good is gone. How much did you like Medina Spirit? Did you think perhaps he was very clearly, I don't want to say a notch below overall, but I mean, he was certainly a notch below a horse like Life is Good. But how was he head and shoulders above everyone else? If he was, great. That's one thing. He went off at odds of 9 to 10. If you weren't convinced, who was the alternative? Because you had a horse in here like Dream Shake. You had Rock Your World trying dirt for the first time. But outside of that, many of these horses seemed, I don't want to say exposed, but they really genuinely felt like a notch or two below. So we'll let the tape run, and you're going to note there's a couple of horses aggressively ridden in here. Parnelli is going to be forwardly placed. You see Rock Your World is being scrubbed on. Medina Spirit breaks like a shot. And, I mean, all things considered, I don't, I don't have a problem with the ride on Medina Spirit. This is a horse who has shown the ability to sit just off a target and still run on very, very effectively. Uh, Parnelli, I think they probably should have tried to even go faster than this. But to be fair, they're cooking on the front end. Rock Your World is able to make the front down on the inside, 22-2 and two for the opening quarter, 46 flat for the opening half mile. And for a horse who was coming out of two turf miles, I believe they were both mile races, these are legitimate fractions on dirt. One of them was a six furlong race. That's what he debuted in. So going from a mile event on grass to a mile and an eighth on dirt, regardless of the fact that, yes, he is bred to run all day, you never know. He's really going to have to earn this thing here. I, I, when I'm watching it right here, I, I think, okay, well, Johnny V is going to be able to just kind of sidle up whenever he wants. In the big picture, this is a really nice trip for a horse like Dream Shake. Everybody else looks like they're in a little bit of trouble. Defunded, the horse I was interested in is starting to pick up some ground on the far outside, rallying from off the pace. But right there, and I'm going to rewind it. If you listen to the Horse Player Happy Hour from this past week, the intro, I had said, the sign to me, as I've watched you know, replays over the past few years, let's say seven, eight years now, the sign to me of a horse who there, there is, I don't want to say the, the, the sky is the limit, but what separates potentially a very, very good racehorse from a solid racehorse is the ability to run quickly and well on the turns, specifically the far turn. So if it's a sprint race, it's the only turn that they're going to be running on. And if it's a route race, it's the second turn, the far turn. If they can run well there, if you're forwardly placed, if you can start to put separation on the field, or if you're coming from off of it, you can start to make up ground. That, to me, is the sign of a horse who could potentially be bigger and better than we've seen thus far. So when I'm watching this, and granted, Parnelli is overmatched in here, so don't use him as the barometer. But when Rockier World is able to scoot clear of a horse like Medina Spirit and Dreamshake, who are both very talented racehorses, that makes me think there's something here, even more than what we saw on Saturday. It's not to say he's going to win the Derby. We'll get to that in a little bit. But for him to be able to put that ground on these horses, and keep in mind, on dirt especially, because it's that much more difficult to make up ground late, that was when I when I saw that, I said, oh, buddy, this this might be a runner. You see him turn for home. He's going to be a little bit late with his lead change, which I don't love. But when you'll note that, and I say a little bit, there he goes. He finally changes over. He's going to pop back to his left lead at the end of this run. I, I'm not thrilled with that. 
anybody who has listened to me or watched me throughout the years knows that that's going to be a pet peeve of mine. But the thing that makes me wonder about how much should it actually bother me is the way that this horse gallops out. He gallops out as if he could go around the racetrack another time, which is, I mean, look at how how strong this horse is moving. This is all the way around the far turn. And yeah, unfortunately, the, the YouTube video, you're not going to be able to see all of it. But he looks like he could go around again. Now, let's throw some caveats out there with this. Because this was a big league performance. This is arguably going to be the fastest horse headed into the Kentucky Derby in a few weeks' time. You're into 100 buyer speed figure. It's it's a legitimate fig. I don't have any gripes with it. I believe Timeform US, it was around a 120, which it all checks out. This is a fast race. John Sadler's got a legitimate, legitimate Kentucky Derby contender in Rock Your World. Let's look at a couple different things here. The lead change aspect. Perhaps it is as simple as he just is a little bit on the green side and he's inexperienced. I'm willing to acknowledge that being a a possibility. Having said that, him being on the front end, I've said this a million times as well, being on the lead going two turns at Santa Anita or close to it is where you have to be to be effective. So maybe you want to downgrade a little bit for that. And when I say maybe downgrade is not even the right way to put it. It's just acknowledging that This is the running style you want to have going around of ground at Santa Anita. Who did he beat? Well, Medina Spirit, I think, I think is a talented racehorse. He may not be a a superstar, but he's really done nothing wrong in five lifetime starts. He's been unfortunate to run into Life is Good twice, and he ran into this horse who freaked out on Saturday as well. Other than that, all he does, he's, he's a model of consistency. He shows up and gives you what he's got. He now has four consecutive buyer speed figures of 99, 94, 95, 94. So he's continuing his good form. I wouldn't hold this race against him because he tried to rally from off of it and he was caught a little bit wide throughout. And, you know, I, I, I think there is probably the element of wondering if a horse like Rockier World would be able to handle the hiking class and the surface switch. And if he doesn't, you're in the catbird seat. You're the one that gets first run. You take over. Dream Shake, I I can't help but watch this replay again. And yes, he finishes well. It's not like he's, you know, coming to a crawl. But this is two times he's tried a route of ground. And I just, I do wonder if the finish is dulled a little bit in these route races. And I'd love to see them try, at least for the time being, to turn him back to a one-turn race. Basically what we saw in his career debut, where he was so visually impressive. I think that's potentially an angle to go with for this horse. I wouldn't write him off in two-turn races down the road, but for right now, I'd love to see them turn him back, whether it's the Pat Day Mile, and I think I had read that somewhere, that Peter Erton was that was thrown as a possibility to turn him back. But I wouldn't just automatically say he can't route. I just think for right now, I would turn him back, and maybe you give him another opportunity down the road. But for now, take advantage of these one-turn races coming up. The Pat Day Mile, the Woody Stevens. You know, if he excels in those, maybe you just continue on that path. H. Allen Jerkins over the summer at Saratoga. Only other horse that I want to touch on, and there's a reason I haven't gone to the chart just yet. We're going to go back to entering the far turn. And yes, I know I was interested in the horse, and I'm sure some folks will look at it and say, well, you're just you're trying to convince yourself that the horse is something. I thought Defunded ran sneaky very, very well. 
Now keep in mind, this is the other Baffert horse. Mike Smith has the mount back here in the Pegram and Company colors. Coming off of a maiden win, second start off a lengthy layoff, going from six furlongs to nine furlongs. Trailed while wide around the first turn, going into the far turn. Remember what I said about Rock Your World. Horses on the front, when they can start to get separation, I think that's a sign of a good racehorse that could potentially be very good or even great. From off the pace, are you starting to pick runners up? Watch the move that Defunded puts in as they enter and round the far turn. He'll eventually flatten out down the lane, but I think anyone who watches tape and, and things of that nature can give him the benefit of the doubt. But this move, when he's starting to warm up and he's just passing horses basically at will, keeping in mind he's five, six paths wide right now. I think this is a sneaky good effort from this racehorse. Also, when factoring in, that you need to be forwardly placed in route races on dirt at Santa Anita. I think this is a sneaky good race from Defunded. Now, from a figure standpoint, it's slow. He only earned an 84. But again, first time routing, first time against winners, going from three quarters of a mile to a mile and an eighth, and he's effectively wrapped up at the end of the run. I'm not saying he's going to win the Preakness or anything like that. But I think Defunded might might be a a sneaky racehorse of of all the horses in this race not named rock your world he actually might be the one that i'm most interested in because of the wide trip because of the circumstances i i think he actually ran quite well in this spot uh, and i'm very interested in seeing what we get from him going forward as far as the rest of the field goes really not much to add this the story of the race is rock your world because now you have a racehorse who also mind you I've talked about the the paired up buyer tops and thinking that can be a precursor to a forward move. Um, in Rock Your World's first two lifetime starts here in 82 buyer speed figures. In his third lifetime start, he moved up to a 100. If you're someone who believes in the bounce, that's something you may want to factor in the back of your head. I know many people don't. The way that he ran, I have no reason to believe he's going to regress. This is his first time on dirt. Maybe this is what he's wanted all along. He's trained by a top notch conditioner and John Sadler the speed that he brings to the table is vital as far as what we've seen with successful horses in the Kentucky Derby in recent years I don't think he absolutely has to have the lead but it's good to know that you can go and you can go a fast clip and still be able to hang around not just hang around actually extend down the lane and gallop out full of run I'm, I'm really interested in this horse I think he's polarizing in that There's a scenario in which he's not the second choice, depending on what concert tour does this weekend in Arkansas. I mean, you may be looking at the fastest horse going into the Kentucky Derby as your third choice behind essential quality and concert tour. I'll be just really interested to see how people approach a horse like this because visually he ran fast and he looked good but I can just as easily say he's not going to be able to get away with swapping leads like that. He's going to have some other company up front in the Kentucky Derby. It's going to be at a racetrack he's never seen before. You know, you you can make a very legitimate case on either side of the aisle, whichever way you want to approach him. I'm approaching him saying he's, even if I think there are things that need to be ironed out, 
for the reasons I, I spoke about highly motivated. In recent years, at the, at the upper echelon, the only horse who has gotten away with doing that sort of thing is Gunrunner. And it's not fair to rock your world or highly motivated to compare them to Gunrunner right now. I would say he's fast. He's bred to run five miles. And I, I, think, he's, I think he's a legitimate threat. I, I, of all people, the only person who, who lead changes probably matter as much to would be somebody like Ilman. And I, I hate that he did it. But I can also acknowledge that he looks like a proper racehorse. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how all these horses come out of this race. I wouldn't write Medina Spirit off just yet. I'd love a little bit of a turn back for Dream Shake. Uh, and Defunded is sort of my sneaky under-the-radar horse that I want to keep an eye on coming out of this race. As far as the Derby prep rating is concerned for this year's Santa Anita Derby, I'm going to give this an 8. Because I do believe the top two are going to make their presence known in the Kentucky Derby in a few weeks' time. Will either of them win? Who knows? But the California path has seemed to be the strongest in 2021. And I don't think the Santa Anita Derby does anything to dispel that sort of theory. Let me know your thoughts about this race or any of the other races beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. So there you have it, the three major derby preps from this past weekend. Let me know your thoughts on all three races, the wood, the bluegrass, and the Santa Anita Derby beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. How have you listened to this thing? Thank you for doing so. But you know the drill by now. Wherever you download your podcast, you can find this thing, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. If you'll watch along on YouTube, search Bar Matt Burner, your show, you get this episode along with the 59 prior. I will be back next Monday with episode 61 of the show. But until then, best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 60 of the Matt Burner, your show.